Hey everybody, it's season three. We did it. We've traipsed through the celluloid drive-ins, diners, and dives, schmoozed with rubber monsters and swum oceans of temper paint, and laughed along with you all the way. And we couldn't have done it without the support of our incredible patrons. If you like the show, if you like what we do and want to help us do it bigger, better, faster, stronger, head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. For just five bucks, you get access to our very large catalog of Patreon-exclusive episodes. You can listen to us talk about Mandy, all of the Exorcist films, or all of the Die Hard films, or all of the Lethal Weapon films. Welcome to season three. It's going to be our best season yet, and we would love for you to be a part of it. So head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm. And now, enjoy the show. Wow, nice, man. You did it in one. Just a few film nerds breaking out of the rut. Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut. Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks, and come and listen in where memory everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson, and we are joined in the studio today by a very special guest. It's actually a very special episode. It is. Uh, so, say hello. Well, hello. My name is Michelle. Hello, everyone. Michelle <laughs> welcome Perez. To, well, welcome to the program. I'm so excited to be here. We're Thank so excited you. to have you here. I know, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm kind of like nerding out. We just watched a whole movie with her, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, Michelle's in the studio oh, with stop. us. This I can't awesome. believe I'm here. There's something about the microphones that makes it like... It's like it oh. makes it real I, now. I know. <laughs> so um, no. I really like this movie that you showed us. And I th- I, you seem to know a lot about it. And remember that one time in like, ten minutes ago? <laughs> so, <laughs> remember that really cool movie? Yeah. That was pretty cool. So uh, we're interjecting into uh, sweetest month or whatever we're calling it, right? Because um, we reworked our program because uh, our season ends in February. It's the last oh, month, okay. and so this, March, we're is, in the last March month right begins now. season three. So we had four episodes. We normally do four episodes a month. And we had something completely different planned for this month. And we're like, we've subjected our wives to some pretty harrowing shit over the last yeah. couple of years. We had some pretty rough movies oh, for like no. the last two months. So we're like, you know, they've had to sit through or be aware of I spit on your grave and all this crazy shit. Last and House on the Left. Oh, right. So damn. like, how about how about we let the the it was, spouses pick the movies It for was this Danielle, month, so. actually. That's Danielle nice. sent out a text yeah. and was like, it, it was kind of one of those like, hey, well, this would be a fun idea, but also like... If you don't do this, you might be on the couch for a bit. Right. <laughs> <So> we, <got laughs> the- <laughs> we need to kind of let the air out of the out of the room a little bit. And so we, you and I, have been talking about disaster movies for like the last year and a half. Anytime we get together, like, oh my gosh, Poseidon Adventure is awesome. Like, yes. How about we get Michelle on the show before you're super busy with Chicago? Right. Mm-hmm. So oh, yes. we're like, we need to get her because auditions are next week, next right? Week, February 10th and 11th. Holy it's crazy. Shit. It's gonna get. Busy. Chicago's a small show, so you should be fine. It's yeah, I mean, just itty not bitty. very many One moving act, parts. Five people or six people. <laughs> is it's I, I it's like castless, similar to the towering inferno. It's like <laughs> akin to. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. So what we're talking about today is 1974's The Towering Inferno, yes. directed by John Gearman. Uh, and this cast is absolutely insane. It is bonkers, man. I I had well, let me read the cast yeah, and then yeah. I'll tell you because you guys are both super fans and I came yeah, in I can, like 
We can tell <laughs> Watch this movie? Inferno. Is this that? some? It's a Dante type thing. Is it like the is that an Eli Roth film? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, the, Green the Green Inferno. Um. So oh. we're hoping. We're hoping against hope that we might be able to get him on the show in season three. We no. We know someone There's who like might There's like a know half him, yeah. of a half a percent Wait. chance that it might happen. But please, let me just come in to help set up. <laughs> I know. Whatever. I'm such we a huge fan of his. So are we. We're, like, we're dying. Oh my gosh, I loved Aftershock, but that's this is not about. No. <laughs> no. Hey, but you're you're on the tangent, so we go on. So, so okay. starring this movie stars Paul Newman, mm. Steve McQueen, Mm-mm. William Holden, Ooh. Faye Dunaway, mm. Fred Astaire, mm. Richard Chamberlain, wow. Jennifer Jones, Robert Vaughn, Robert Wagner. OJ fucking Simpson. <laughs> Why'd you is, do it, OJ? I love Why'd the drinking do- game. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll do talk little, about yeah. it. But yeah, OJ Simpson's all over this thing. And you know what? Not half bad. No, he's good. He does pretty well. I um, I mean, th- honestly, this list is like a a Harry Potter. Is there it's anybody a who's else? Who's who? Of it really is anyone a who's that was who. anyone before 1970 during and yeah. Well, because it has some of the great names from the golden age of Hollywood: yeah. Jennifer Jones, it Will does. Holden, Fred Astaire. It's and then uh, Paul Newman, Steve McQueen, and Faye Dunaway. Those people were at the top of their game still in the seventies, and it was. You were mentioning as we were watching that Steve McQueen and Paul Newman had a a very a heated uh, cr- like battle for credit for top billing. They did. In fact, Bill Holden thought, and you know, back in his day, William Holden could have demanded top billing. He mm, was that sure. guy, but not in seventy four. No. So, yeah, the, Steve McQueen and, uh, and uh, Paul Newman demanded top billing. So what they did, this was the first time in Hollywood history they did the staggered but equal billing. Yeah, I, I actually noticed it because my wife is an artist, so she's always talking. Oh. She uses words like kerning and tells me about fonts and things. So the first thing I noticed is in that opening title card where Steve McQueen and Paul Newman's names are up, mm-hmm. Steve McQueen's is first. It's on the left, but Paul Newman's is higher on the right, and they're... They're staggered so that Steve and Newman are level. It's it's literally like a weird mirror image. So the way they did it is that if you're reading it from right to left, one would be on top, or if you're reading it from left to right, the other would be on top. Yeah. <laughs> they their their whatever teams they had were so specific they had to have exact same screen time. Yes, this is Not, nuts. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> when you said that at the beginning of the, we, we started watching and you you mentioned like mm-hmm. uh, Paul Newman and Steve McQueen have the same amount of screen time like pretty I started to clock it internally just a yeah. little bit but then as soon as a fire starts I didn't give a fuck anymore <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that building is on fire. I, on fire. I became, oh I became aware of it because we'd get like these long sequences of Paul Newman. Yeah, and I'm like, oh wow, so Steve McQueen hasn't been in for a hot second, but then they cut to like subplot with Steve McQueen mm-hmm. for about the same amount of time. And if you know going in, if you if you've had that little kernel placed in your head, you're like these petty catty <laughs> prima donna. <laughs> But I think it works really well for this movie. So do I. Because they're both so strong. They're both, their characters are not anything uh, that you, they're so remotely uh, far from egotistical. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's not, I don't know. There's no self-serving of, uh, for either of them. They're both about they're, other people. They're both really selfless. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, I like the relationship that forms between the two men. It, they're kind yeah. of, re- reminds me of John McClane and Sergeant Al Powell a little bit. 
It oh, there's Carl. so much diehard fucking overlap <laughs> right. here. Carl kept saying that throughout the film, like, oh, there's another one. There's another, another bit another from Die Hard. It's it, well, it's I mean, John McTiernan is on record as being a huge fan of the Towering Inferno and other yeah. like. Well, you pointed I, I never would have so. caught it, but you point out that they nice. have like the miniature models under glass, like they do in the Nakatomi Plaza on the yep. top floors. I pointed out there's the scene where he jumps into the air shaft and he has to crawl from one air shaft to the other and they're on different heights, yes. John McClane yep. does, uh, all throughout the whole thing. And I loved um, in that scene when he did that, you could hear the, I called it, you could hear the building singing and then. Yeah. Yes. The, oh, I the, loved that. The sound design. The sound of the oh fire. Because the, the there's so much fire in this movie. For those of you who don't know, which I didn't oh. until we got here, like honestly, <laughs> when you were, Carl was like, we're watching the towering inferno, I'm like, so it's a towering inferno. It's a big fire? Is it a big fire Sure movie? is. It's, Some it's kind a, of big is fire? Is there a movie? Is there fire in the movie? <laughs> so it's basically... The it's basically everyone. It's a, a group of people are in a the super tall it's skyscraper a party in San on the Francisco. top of a building in California around Christmas time. It, it might be <laughs> no, it's like summer here. But it's, if if only there had been a little hip hop in the top of the score, <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells. You say that interestingly. Another parallel to to it's a Die Hard is that the tower, this the South Korean version of the Towering Inferno. Yeah. Is set in Christmas time. <gasps> now that you bring amazing. that up, yeah, you, that was another cool thing. So apparently, yeah. there's a 2016 South Korean, not maybe, maybe not remake, but homage yeah. to the called. Is it called the Tower? The Tower. So yeah. listeners, Carl and I are totally gonna watch it. But um, it's so good. It's it's what got me started watching South Korean films. I thought this is. I mean, that's this is a amazing. whole rabbit hole right there. South Korean films are. Out of control. I'm, I'm a big sh- fan. I'm yeah, a no, fan. huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. And uh, that is another rabbit hole. But there so good. was Paras- Parasites, a South Korean film, it right? It is. Mm-hmm. And that's the first one I've ever seen get this many nods, at least as for as long as I've been watching them. It's pretty fantastic. It, it got, were you saying five Academy Award nominations or something like that? Uh, I think four or five. Four or five. Wow. It was playing at the state, and Connor. I think he texted me every day for four days and he's like, if you haven't seen Parasite, you have to go watch it. And I didn't because I'm lazy and horrible. <laughs> um, so disaster disaster films in general, mm-hmm. what got you into them? Well, you know, I'm from California and Southern California and a lot of those movies are set there. So we t- you tend to watch them anyway. California we, land of disasters. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but it was something, I was, you know, I was born in 1960. let's just say i was my formative years were the 70s and 80s and that's what you watched i mean though uh, 70s are unparalleled in terms of disaster films no other decade embraced them like the 70s and i don't i still don't think that uh, now they're uh they're a niche but they are they're they're more of a spectacle they're the let's let's show off the the newest cgi cgi and they're they're all they're it's the difference of going on. They're they're all like going on a ride, a roller coaster yes. ride, and it's just like it's all in your face and it's all exciting. This in the seventies with the Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, the Airport series, all of them had this. They took their time. You care about almost every single person involved in this, from the firefighters to the guests. You end mm-hmm. up caring about even some of the shitty ones. Like the there's an arc to them, and there's a sensibility with all of those that came out in the seventies. Fucking love it. Yeah, they each, each movie takes at least forty five minutes to to establish the character, the story, and the space that exactly. you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of the one oh uh, one of the awards that this was nominated for was cinematography. Yeah, and this movie is so well shot. 
Minute the miniature work. You just gave me. Go- I just got. I know. I, I got the little. I got oh, the little Roger God. Deakins chills. Yes, it going. won the Academy Award for cinematography. Yes. It won a couple of them, right? It, yeah, it won several. And what I find even even more impressive is that one in the same year that Godfather Two was sweeping all the awards, and Godfather Two was cinematically, and cinema. I mean, was right. Flawless. So for yeah. this movie to sweep in, and that's another thing that's a huge difference between now and then. Disaster films don't win awards. No, <laughs> they just no. don't win awards. They might best they play, practical effects or whatever. They yeah, play at two o'clock in the morning on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Exactly. Disaster films in the seventies were real contenders for BAFTAs, Academy Awards, the screen, you know, for the Golden Globes, and uh, so yeah, that they won. Uh, and Fred Astaire won his only. Only Oscar. The fact that's that this insane. is the movie that Fred Astaire won his Oscar for. Was this his was this was this his final screen credit? He's fairly old in this, and he's in his seventies. He's, right? just, he's just about 71, 72. I don't think it's his last though. Okay. Um, but I will say that there was this, and I haven't heard it in years, but there was this little sort of, I don't know, there was. A lot of people whispered back at post seventies that some of these older. Uh, actors from the golden age of Hollywood were getting gimme Oscars because they never won. Helen Hayes won for 1970s Airport. Mm. Um, But she was adorable. I will give you that. (laughs) Oscars for adorable. And she was adorable. We even see that nowadays, though. Oh, we sure do. I mean, not that... No, we do. (laughs) Yeah. Now that you've seen Fred Astaire, but you gotta think, in 1975, they were... Cuckoo's Nest, Godfather 2, Jaws, was he really the best supporting actor? I mean, I'm not going to... He was adorable. He was a supporting actor. Yes, yes. he was. But I, there wasn't anything like... He's he's fine in this. Yeah, he's he really just is fine. Oh, he's there's, adorable. He's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, he's there's, fucking Fred Astaire. There's exactly. No, there's no, no, no person in this. I have no problem with when any of the performances. When he does those little, I love them all. little hitch yeah. in his step in front of the mirror and like he, his... The way he moves is amazing. I, yes. th- what I noticed is that you remember the sequence where you noticed his, the hitch in his step. Yeah. What I noticed is his steps, his pace, perfectly puts him at the door. He doesn't have to shuffle step to reach it. He he moves in such a precise manner, and I think I think the way his brain works is I when he looks perfectly. at a space, he knows he how knows to how to break his yeah. stride so that he hits every mark perfectly. When he hits that doorknob, man, yes, it's. One motion, no stopping. And when he, he gets out of the cab and, and starts trotting yes. up those stairs, he because his back is, is to the camera, he could be 25. He's moving at I'm, such a graceful speed up these up these long staircases. Oh, I'm the, 29, and he walks he walks so, <laughs> so much so better than I do, man. I'm like, some days I wake up, and I'm like, is it too early for a cane? I don't think so, <laughs> I think right? So. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If you're hurting now. He's like, you're like, what, 14? How old are you? 29, Carl. Oh, 29. Baby. Oh, my gosh. I like him young, keep, Michelle. Keep, keep calling me young, Carl. You make me feel, you make me feel so good. Um, so I had, I had never seen, I'd seen one disaster film before this. I'd seen Daylight. With um, uh, is it Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone. Is it Daylight or Daybreak? That's a great Daylight. Yeah, Daylight. That's a really good movie. I feel like that has the same sensibility of the 1970s. I feel like it was paying homage to that. I agree. That makes sense for Sylvester Stallone too. Then absolutely, absolutely. I think he's. I think he is possibly the most underrated Hollywood guy in Hollywood. Writer. 
director, actor, I would completely agree. Smart enough to know to sell the rights to star in that movie because he knew he what he's going to get a night at you know right you know whatever you know that one movie <laughs> <laughs> was he going to get soft porn all his life right he exactly was, I do think he's sorry there's my rabbit hole I did it again no <laughs> no we but love rabbit all holes. about rabbit holes he is so underrated. I mean, how many men has he has successfully created? How many three separate franchises? Rambo, uh, First Blood, and The Expendables. The Expendables. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, and Rocky. And Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky, Rambo, Rambo and The Expendables. The ex- yeah, those Expendables movies are really good too. Oh, yeah. they're fantastic. And even his like one-off, like his like kind of one-off in the weeds movies, like um, like Bullet to the Head. That movie's a total romp. Very Over the fun. Top. Did you ever see Over the Top? Over the Top, Over the top. awesome. I never did. The arm wrestling, arm wrestling movie? movie in what the, the 80s. fuck, dude? I'm sorry. <laughs> he's a so, truck He's a truck, truck driver. Driving. Okay, if we're going <laughs> to do truck drivers, then we can do Over the Top, we can do Roadhouse, but you got to give me one subgenre at a time, man. Roadhouse I just... Sorry, we have, we have our programming, programming schedule now until like 2020. This is yeah. good, because I can see how easy it is to go off on a tangent. It's, oh, that's why some of our episodes go three. That's oh, that's God. how that's how we end up in weird Patreon rabbit holes because we talk about <laughs> movies on the main season and we're yeah. like, we should watch all of the Critters films back to back. Do you want to watch all the Cube movies in one night? Let's <laughs> do that. Stuff oh like that. my God! Or Gremlins or Leprechaun. Any, oh my God! But yeah, it's it's really difficult. So when we when we program, we pick a, a theme for the month, and then we do our. He picks two, I pick two, and then we compare notes, so we're not doubling up on films. And we do our best to give like a broad spectrum of of a of one genre. Like for example, in we could kind of spoil it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, our, yeah. our first month of season three. We're calling it the Ides of March, and it's all movies about assassins. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so we we oh, wanted that's a to. Great- we grabbed some like OG ones. We got like Lay on the Professionals coming up, but then we were like, okay, so that's that's like classic kind of eighties early. It's an early nineties, early nineties, yeah. early nineties assassin flick. Let's go traditional, and we grabbed a Japanese film called Lady Snowblood. Oh, beautiful! As a throwback, so we're doing like this is a movie about assassins that was shot in the seventies, and then we did John Wick from the two thousands. So we're we're like trying to get. We always try and like give a representative, yeah, give a nice wide representation of the genre. Yeah. So in we covered a lot of uh, exploitation films in season one, and in season two we went like off the deep end with with like sure low did. budget schlock and. It's <laughs> great though. Yeah. So this, so the next, I'm. I'd, what are the other disaster films other than this one? Because I can. There's the airport series. Mm-hmm. There's Poseidon the Poseidon Adventure, Adventure. Mm-hmm. the Towering Inferno. I f- we looked up one and found one called The Bees. Earthquake. Earthquake. And then the, some modern ones are like 2012. San Andreas. One. San Andreas. Which is terrible. Dante, Dante's day, Peak. Day, the Day After Tomorrow day after was tomorrow. fantastic. What? So good. Which that was, this? That wasn't Rennie Harlow. 2004. Yeah, 2004, right? Dennis Quaid, a young Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's Dennis actually a climatologist. The planet starts to freeze like overnight or whatever. I think I saw this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah it's I the worst it. CG dogs you've ever seen. But other than that, the it's... Worst the worst CG wolves. dogs? Oh, no, that's Exorcist the Beginning. Exorcist I'm sorry, the Beginning has the worst CG <laughs> dogs of all time, dude. It's What is that, a chihuahua? It's like PlayStation that? 1 CGI. Is that a dog from Resident it's Evil? It's jackal. I know, but it looked it bad. It looked, looked really it bad. It looked bad though. <laughs> jackals are supposed to be ugly. So, in <laughs> they got that right. Your mother's a jackal. <laughs> it's supposed to be a bad thing. Yeah, if you're gonna use them as an insult, they shouldn't be cute. Right. Um. Fair enough. I love how this movie 
begins. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have a really long helicopter oh, sequence. Oh, begins, begins, begins. Yeah, begins. our title sequence is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's like five minutes long. Over San Francisco Bay. Yeah. Yes. It's, just it's gorgeous. The helicopter breaks through the clouds, the mm-hmm. fog in the bay, and then you see the Golden Gate Bridge down below. It's gorgeous. And then, like, I is there an Oscar for set design that this wins? It, because it, it did get nominated for production design. <laughs> Art direction. It's... Yep. it's mm-hmm. When we get into the tower, which uh, Paul it, Paul Newman's going to visit the tower basically to say because he's the uh, architect and he's doing his last checks because he's after this one this is his last big thing he wants to go live in the woods and yeah, fucking shoot like, deer and shit or yeah whatever. he's getting off the grid and he's gonna go and find his Walden Pond but he's just, he's doing his due diligence this right is like and the tonight's last, the big yep. it's the big gala opening there's yeah. gonna be a party so he shows up to do the final checks and stuff but. In so doing, because he's here to do his final checks, we get a little follow Paul Newman along walking tour of the tower. Yeah, it's so... Oh, dude, it's... Seeing it shiny. It's Art oh Deco God. meets, like, 60s retro, meets futurist, meets atomic age. It's it is. just... And it is because it is supposed to represent the modern, the the up-to-date, the now of the 70s. We're not looking at it with like, oh well, that's vintage and that's retro right. eyes. We're looking at it from 1975. That this was it. That was the top in fashion, the top in architecture, right. the top in in, um, in in decorating, and yet we're looking at it like, wow, that's a whole lot of orange. Right? Yeah, I keep saying <laughs> it has a lot of orange. It is, but and it's pristine. It's yes. beautiful. It's brand new, and yes. it is the future. And you know, like. And maybe it's because in 2020 the whole retro throwback thing is coming back around. Watching the spaces, I, I think it, you you said it when they walk well, into his apartment. apartment yeah. You're like, I want to live in his apartment. I, I, and I think we were all agreeing with you. Like, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, they were like, uh, floors 81 through 120 are all residential. <laughs> I'm like, do you have any openings? <laughs> I do know the building's going to burn I down. I can only but... <laughs> afford it if it's 1970s rent. 1970s rent, yeah. They're pr- dude in that place, they're probably still still <laughs> too expensive for yeah, us. This is San Francisco. Oh yeah, yeah. Touché. We still can't afford it. No. So. It, the 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 set design and another thing we talked about was uh, as we were watching was establishing shots. I can't remember which film it was, Carl, but we just watched one that was using a huge like number of wide shots to incorporate space into the action. Was it True Lies? I think it was. True yeah, Lies. because that was because re- it's Jim Cameron, so he's doing. It, yeah, the Jim Cameron thing, like yeah. you get with. But but yeah. one of the things Titanic. I I loved about this is how often we're outside. I call him Jim because we're real close. <laughs> God damn it! Look when you've hey, done when we don't blow when in you've the bottom done of cocaine the ocean at the bottom of the Cameron. ocean with Jim Cameron, he's Jimmy forever after. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys serious? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how do you it's think a, it's a callback to a bit we did a few episodes we, ago where we trapped Jim we're... Cameron in a in a submersible. <laughs> <laughs> With two dudes that have been doing blow all day and asking questions crazy, about Terminator and crazy shit. high on coke, <laughs> but super big Jim Cameron fans. Wow. Just so Jim, the- now that we got you here, uh, quick question for you. So, uh, <clears throat> so when you wrote the original Terminator, so like, <clears throat> did you like plan on, dude? This fucking cocaine's really crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Did you ever once, ever once, just try and shoot the scene with him actually on the fucking door with her? Right. Did you just once try <laughs> One it? Time. Because they did this thing on MythBusters. I don't mean to like burst your bubble or anything, but they <laughs> did worked. do a thing on MythBusters where you, you could fit two people on. You could actually fit three people. So really, Rose is sort of just a murderer if you think about it. And you're it's just like Jim. Terrible. Don't open the don't open the hatch, Jim. We'll all fucking die, Jim. We need we need pressure. Jim, what are you doing, Jim? Jim? We're we're so far down. 
we're all going to drown immediately, Jim. I can see how this could be a whole lot of fun. Uh, uh, yeah, right. yeah, cocaine and drive Jim Cameron insane <laughs> in a tiny submarine. So, so, tell, me, tell me, honest, be honest, do you ever, did you like immediately regret that whole King of the World shit? Did you like immediately just want to kill yourself for that? Or how what? many times were you doing a scene where you're like, this is going to be genius now, but in three years, this is going to be the worst well, punchline ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just going to shit in this movie's mouth for the rest of its existence. If my own kids will not even want to be near me in public. <laughs> oh <my> no. <laughs> That was some douchey Duty. shit. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Sorry, Jim. He, Sorry, Jim. He makes a certain type of movie, though, where yeah. you watch it, and as you're watching it, you're just fully sub- swept into it. Yeah. And then one week later, you're like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Avatar. Wrong, the first time you see Avatar, you're like, I want to go to Pandora. I want to live there. You're crying. You want to check so yourself true. into an asylum yeah. because so you beautiful. missed Pandora. And then, yeah. Well, and, and when you're there so in the true. world, you're like, yes, this Jim Cameron. Genius. And then you turn the movie off and you turn to the person to your right and you're like, blue cats, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> You thought like well, that that movie's kind of a commitment, isn't it? That's a long yeah, commitment. It is, yeah. This is a long movie too. It's three two hours. Is it three hours it's long? It's three hours. We Holy started fuck. It, yeah. That did not fit. I, no, my abs runs are a full three hours. super tense because I was tense for two hours then. I cannot believe. I almost mentioned it to you guys thinking like, do you realize this runs three hours? But I don't, I, I, think, I don't care. I think because right. it's Carl's DVD. I was like, How, so we're doing a screening. What are we looking at? And you were like, I think it's like 220. I was like, eh, Harry Potter's 220. It's we can do that. full three hours. This, did not feel No, like I thought, thinking it was 220, I was like, that was like a perfect 220. Now I'm even more impressed because what this movie How managed. How did it hold the tension? for fucking two and a half hours. And it starts... Well, I think you said it perfectly, Max. It's such a beautiful, calm establishing. I mean, we're taking a beautiful ride in a helicopter over San Francisco Bay. We're Mm. getting to look at the the building. We're getting introduced to all the people. And then it starts. Boom. Yeah. And it doesn't start, like, huge. It builds. It's just a little fire in a storage room. It doesn't even... (gasps) What I love most is it starts with a spark. Not even flames. It's it's incredible. And one... Once that spark hits, the clock starts ticking. Yeah. And the the progression of the fire, what this movie manages, because if you think about it, the spark happens about 11 minutes or 12 minutes in. It's pretty early. But there's no urgency when it first happens. No. We have alarms going off that no one's paying attention to. Yeah. Well, the alarm goes off at like 12. OJ Simpson pops on screen and we're all like, why'd (laughs) you do do it, it, OJ? (laughs) And then... And then, and then, um, you know, like the fire's burning for probably 15, 20 minutes before people notice the smoke. Mm-hmm. So the the whole time, that's part of what makes the tension is you see people like we know it, they don't. Yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing because you, you get this thing where where people are talking about relationships and you're like, the building is on fire, you assholes. You know, they're like, Judy, I don't know. If, I don't know if we can stay married anymore. None of this fucking matters. There's going to be flames, dead in 10 bro. Yeah. And <laughs> fuck who you want to fuck another man. That makes Paul Newman's line even more funny because you know the the building, the builders like, what? We're 50 floors above we the fire floor. Reaches. We're fine. And I'm the, Captain Hubris. But he's like, how big is the fire? And Paul Newman's line's like, it's a fire. It's a fire. It's a he's fucking like, fire. 
fire? What do well, you mean? The builder, to the builder's credit, Paul Newman's like, there's a fire down here. And the builder's like, are we talking like you left your pizza in the oven too long? <laughs> so, okay, I know that guy's. Is this a microwave popcorn fire or did something happen in our turpentine dirty <laughs> rags in room? Fire closet. <laughs> oh my and God. That, and that is like a fire retardant <laughs> closet like, or place to keep like fire. It's like the one that catches on fire. It's this one is of, definitely pre sort of standards. Like, there's no OSHA here. <laughs> exactly. Pre OSHA days. <laughs> this is one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, moments yeah. in the movie because it's the only time that you can really laugh. Because right. the, the fuse box starts sparking and you're like, whoa, sparks. And then you notice what the room is, and it's like a table right next to the fuse box, and on it is like Old oily rags. Oily ra- <laughs> yeah, it's like paint thinner rags. Fire starters. Next to several <laughs> yeah. tubs of more paint thinner. One of them actually the I think said fire be- accelerant on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the question wasn't why a fire started, it's why... Right. Why didn't Why did it take so long for a fire to start? To start? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're like, "Woo, I tell you, all this flammable stuff sure is dangerous. We got to find a place to store this." Under the fuse box. Let's put it over by the f- by the electrical stuff. There you, you think, go. Do you think we should tell somebody about the cement we accidentally tipped over on the stairs? Will you want to get fired? Door? You want to I, mean, I don't get- want to get fired. Uh, yeah, that is another thing about this it movie. It is the fire door. Where they're like, yeah. it uh, is the only door to the only stairs to lead out yeah, of the Yeah, but this only. is like the Titanic of buildings. This, it is. This, the- this, 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 this ain't going to sink. This isn't going to be on fire. They have, it's not a little concrete either. It's, no, it's a like, whole wheelbarrow of concrete. Like you made like, a triple foot. batch. In- what were they doing at the top of a catwalk on the top floor of a building with a oh, hole? So they're like... I think we got off on the wrong floor. You know, you know what it was. <laughs> top floor. This you is know? meant for the foundation, I think. <laughs> you know what it was. You know what? how you get the new server. They've never had a job before. You send them across the street to borrow a bucket of steam. Yeah, it's gone a little. Long that time. was the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> the new guy had the job. Like we need you to make a quadruple batch of concrete. Top floor, right next to the fire door. Snicker, and what we've, snicker, oh, snicker, what we've learned about you. <laughs> we had them hump all the bags of cement up there and make it. Hey, did you make that shit yeah, yet? Practical jokes in the 70s were you just preludes and then to kicked murder. it over right. because you're like, I can't believe you assholes made me carry 400 pounds of cement up these stairs. <laughs> well, what'd you do with it? Uh, yeah, don't worry about it. That's right. It took care of it. Well, I'll we, show these motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going to tip it over like, in front of the fire door. And then he went oh. down and put the stuff, he the turpentine the st- there exactly. next to the electrical They're box. Like, these yep. motherfuckers are going <laughs> to burn tonight. <laughs> Play a prank on me. I'll murder two, three hundred people. <laughs> Fuck you. And those then that fucking cat. Eighty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that even though we're in San Francisco, they, they hired Boston, New Yorkers. Yeah, New, York and <laughs> New Yorkers and Bostonians. <laughs> they all from Philadelphia. Cal- like. There is no accent in San Francisco. That's no, like, no. Well, <laughs> well, what it is is they were like, all right, well, which do you San Franciscans want to pour concrete? They're like, we're going to surf and smoke weed. That's like, right. what are... What are you guys doing? Fresh from Philly is going to go pour your concrete. <laughs> down on the wharf. It's, you do. You go right ahead. Yeah, it's scab, exactly. it's scab labor from Baltimore. <laughs> you got crabs. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this movie did invent banging. So. It sure did. That's one <laughs> of my favorite thing. notes. Ugh. I'm sorry. One of my favorite notes, because Faye Dunaway is in this, and she is gorgeous. She's amazing. Uh, She is an official nominee for the Best of the Breast for the Quillen Film. Definitely. Just for that dress. Mm. Absolutely. My God. Okay. True story. This is a perfect example of why women should not get breast enhancement. She's absolutely stunning. We've talked about this on the show before. There is one one exception. It's in this movie called Cemetery Man. And those boobs are fake, but man, are they impressive. 
Oh, they're they're like the Cadillac of. But Carl, we've <laughs> yes. watched we've watched enough <laughs> we've watched enough movies to know that most of the time it doesn't go no. right. No, no, nope, not even a little bit. It's perfectly proportioned, and it's, it's, the dress is. It, I see what you mean about the fashion thing. That yeah. Faye Dunaway's dress there. You did point out that in the um, uh, Steve McQueen is wearing a, a men's oh. button-up shirt with like short sleeves that Faye, have that was very seventies, and they're all Van Heusens. Oh God! That is a those are not a comfortable shirt. Seventy-five, huh? So the, I think NASA started that trend. My Van Heusens. The Van Heusen white. That's color. funny because my dad worked at Rockwell, which. Oh which did, yeah, which yeah, yeah. All, My father, my dad was a cost controller on the first space. Oh my god! <laughs> and, he, that's, and he did. He wore the, the short sleeves, right? Yeah. Yes. My dad was worked for the meteorology division of NASA, and he wore Van Heusens all the time. See, you might be onto something here, man. <laughs> my dad. That's all he wore were the Van Heusens and the starch in the collar because yep. everyone was so uptight. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's. I guess n- it is aerospace. You want to be. Then you can you smoke know. inside. Then. My- <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> that- that just kind of shows you what the 50s and 60s Gansen were like, where they're like, yet. You here it, here it is. Van Heusen's equals a job that you cannot tell anybody what your job title is. And you legally have to smoke. And you have to have a, yeah, you need security clearance to get in your yeah. building. Yeah. Security wow. clearance, you have to be vague about what you do. Yes. And you do have to smoke a dangerous number the, of the cigarettes. Van Heusen, <laughs> the the Van Heusen conglomerate. It's so true. It's dude. I think we just discovered the the new world order, Carl. If a fucking van pulls up in your house in the next I'm five hearing, minutes, I'm hearing a weird clicking. We get black black bag today. Thanks for being on the show, Michelle. I, dude, she's here to bring the truth, Carl. <laughs> I've had this Van Heusen theory in my head for twenty years. This is years. The, this is the one that breaks the fucking government. Is That's the, the only Heusen reason theory. she came like, on the show. <laughs> Honestly, she's like, I don't even really like this movie, but someone needs to know yeah, about Van Heusen. This is really actually like an Inception idea. Like this was planted in your heads by somebody a no. hundred years ago. I no. was sent from here. I was sent here. No. You know, I just I was watching Terminator the this other is day, Carl. We, this is why we don't do shows at night. I, I know. Get, you get so in here. That's why I sit with my back to the wall now. We did the Eraserhead episode and Carl was seeing like ghosts or something. We were very tired. I bet you were. That's yeah. funny. New World Order doesn't scare men in Van Heusen's don't scare me on any <laughs> The Van Heusen's any don't scare me. <laughs> but one of the there's a moment. Just you, take their cigarettes and throw them across right, the seriously. room. They'll freak out. <laughs> yeah, you're just like you, you just remind them. My remind them that they haven't them. smoked for a bit. They're like, oh. you've got to die. And you're like, when was the last time you had a cigarette? They're like, shit. Oh, yeah. All you have to do is tell them they need to. They have to smoke outside. Oh, that's it. That's like we have a no smoking policy in this house. Oh well, like, I'm out of here. Oh. Well, I am sorry. I don't mean to waste. They're all time. about policy. That's <laughs> hey, that's true. They're like shit. He made a rule. We gotta follow it's it. It's a kryptonite, <laughs> Maxwell. Uh, let's see. No one does anyone even smoke a stand in that? No. Nerius. That's true. Did, did, you, did you say cigarette. this movie's PG? I think it's G. Actually, I don't think there's there's, there's no a real cussing, rating on there's it. There's yeah. no profanity. There's, there's no, no nudity. nudity. Although we do get we we do definitely get some leggy like a leggy we get, we get leggaliciousness and you get a reference to a make love. You do, he yeah, says, but there's but nothing not, explicit. There's no no that's no, true that's true. We the made up the boning thing. The we made we made we that made it up. worse than it was. <laughs> and OJ OJ murdered someone off screen. So it but didn't that was happen later, in, but much years later. later. Right? Yeah. So technically, but we watched The Exorcist too. And did you know that the, in The Exorcist, one of the lab technicians is a serial killer? 
No. Yeah. yeah. One of the people who's... In the original? In the original, when they're doing the lab tests on Reagan, one <gasps> of like the radiology dudes was a serial killer, and he was active during the filming Do you know his movie. name? We looked it up for the episode. Oh, I don't remember he what He killed like now. seven people or I think something I, like that. It was... There's a lot of weird shit with cool. The Exorcist. Well, that, and that is one of those movies well, that... But O.J. waited 20 years. Yeah, O.J., mm-hmm. he had the decency to be like, I am a, currently a star. I don't want to make anyone I'm trying to establish upset. my career in film. <laughs> I don't want to screw that up. I got this project coming up with Leslie Nielsen in the 80s. I can't let that. I was really good. <laughs> I Football I had nailed. I'm going to try the acting thing. If that doesn't work, I might kill my wife. I don't know. I'm just spaghetti at the wall. You know what I'm saying? Something's going to hit. <laughs> spaghetti at the wall. Oh, but... To be honest, he does he does a decent job here. And you know the worst part? I like him. I like his yep. character. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. you can see the charisma. Absolutely. You don't get it in the trial because the trial is all about how he murdered his wife. <laughs> so oh some of the God. charm is kind of lost. It's just and the fact. That, oh my God! I don't even know what to say. <laughs> but on on screen here, you know, like. You can you can see you can how almost he... separate him from the oh, double I... stabby murder thing. Yeah. If right. it wasn't for the drinking game, I probably could have. But every time he shows up and we say, "OJ, why'd you do it?" I cannot <laughs> remember <laughs> that he killed his wife. I'm so. ruining everything tonight. I'm no, sorry. even the drinking game. I was like, "This is fun and quirky." Oh wait, it's about a death. <laughs> right, it's yeah. about Ooh. a horrible murder. <laughs> You're like, "What a fun drinking." Uh, levity. levity, 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 levity. Two people dead. <laughs> oh, 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 I'll have another. Jack Daniels, please. <laughs> Grab another beer. Let's continue this. <laughs> oh, OJ, you scamp. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, the, <laughs> about the Van Heusen, st- the first time you see Steve McQueen in it, you're like, tragic fashion mistake. But when Steve McQueen stands up out of the water and the Van Heusen's clinging to him and he's got that, like, the fat tie that only Steve McQueen could wear mm-hmm. properly, you know? Yeah. I just want to undress him slow. It's amazing. He stands yeah. up and you're like, you know what I might look good in? It's Dang. a button-up short-sleeved Van Heusen <laughs> with a pocket protector oh and a tie. But the first time he wears it, because he has to take it, uh, take off his his fireman's jacket before he goes into the promenade room to say, we got to clear out the room, whatever. He looks a little Mormony when he no, gets out of there. <laughs> he looks terrible. <laughs> he he looks like he's Mormon-y. about 80 yes. pounds in that thing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's 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 hanging on him. And the well, there's no so good way to to rock a short sleeve dress shirt. Soaking so wet is how you do it, Carl. Because, dude, it when takes he's... two million <laughs> gallons of water to make that look good. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once you've poured two million gallons of water on him, but he he stands up and you're like, oh, you know, it, and you, you pointed it out early when you were saying, like, Paul Newman, because he's a little older in this one. Because we've seen him in Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Oh yeah, they both are at the latter part of their career. Like yeah, they're in their f- well. Paul Newman's doing stuff in two thousand and two or right. three. Yeah. But yeah, I, so yeah, I guess I meant to say the la- latter part of their heyday. Heyday, heyday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like the 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 peak is about to not not a decline, but but they're both in their fifties by yeah by yeah, yeah yeah. And and Paul Newman, he's one of those people who, at every stage of his life, he's handsome but he becomes handsome in different ways this movie he looks very craggy and kind of rugged but it's those blues dude the steely blues he's got the most gorgeous eyes outside of daniel craig Scott, he, everything Isn't about everything. him is beautiful. Yeah, everything. absolutely. And he's a great actor. Yes. Yes. I mean, Paul, a, he's one that I forget about actually. until I'm watching something like this or Cool Hand Luke or Butch Cassidy oh. in the Sundance. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, this motherfucker is good, untouchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's incredible. I really don't know many. I mean, many modern day actors that 
I, I, I like him. I really don't. No, Tom Hardy. You can't, well, <laughs> shit. Just, when you can yeah. see his face. Tom Hardy is... Dude, even without his face. I know. That's, that's the genius of Tom Hardy. He is, like, I got to give it to you. Tom Hardy's, I think, in a category all in his own. Yeah. He's a different sort of next level genius. Anyway. We did an entire month of... Or we did that Bronson. Was season zero. Season zero. We tried to... Of just Tom Hardy? We tried to... St- well, no, we did, uh, we did uh, our first... When we first tried to do the show, we got together and we were like, we should talk about movies. And every three months, we'll talk about all the movies we'd seen and pick one. And then at the end of the year, we'll pick our four winners and pick the best of the year. And it'll be fun and blah, blah, blah. So we started doing the show and we made it seven episodes Yeah, I think it was seven. And then we just stopped recording. We got busy. The show fell apart. Mm -hmm. And about three months after that or four months after that, we Mm kind of just casually kept texting. But the show had completely stopped. And about four months later, I don't know, I can't remember which of us did it, but we, we were like, it kind of came back up and we we're like, you know, it was really fun doing that Measuring Flicks thing. Maybe we should try again. March is coming <laughs> up. Let's do March Madness. Let's do some scary movies. Yeah, because start we'd started it in March and then we went almost a full year without doing the show. And then we were like, look, March is coming up. Let's try it again. And that was what we're now calling season one. So, but we have these seven episodes that we call season zero from when we first tried <laughs> to start that. the show. And the first movie we ever covered was Bronson, Bronson. yeah, with Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. where he plays um, uh, Charlie Bronson. Charlie Bronson, England's most violent prisoner. Yeah, incredible movie. It's it's like one of those performances where you realize like there are there are like excellent actors, no. and then there's excellent actors, mm-hmm. and that's where you realize you're like Tom Hardy's a whole other kind of he thing. Is. And he went back and he did the two twin criminals from England. Yeah, he nato- played the uh, twins. Notorious, infamous. infamous, infamous, infamous. Where he plays the Cray brothers. That's yeah. it. And this is a fascinating story all in its own. But he, man, when he uh, lawless was flawless. I uh, mean, it was. You still haven't seen it. I still have not seen. Oh. It. I think I think lawless is Tom Hardy's best performance. It's fucking unbelievable. I, I just saw the throat cut in it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh. It's what a hectic scene that is. <laughs> but it's not a period or a, a subject that is often covered. No. It's completely unique. Yeah. It's a brilliant, even period piece in, in a way as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's, pro- we've seen lots of Prohibition era movies, but this is Prohibition era Appalachia. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. It's, I mean, dude, it's amazing. You, you, you should really see it because I think Tom Hart, I, I really meant it. I thought it was flawless. I, Gary I, Oldman's in it. That's another one. And they, Shia LaBeouf is amazing. He is. That whole, uh, Lawless is a, it's, it's a, it, a it cast. Is. Everybody, beautiful, what's her name, Krista with the redhead? I forget her name, but. Kristen Hendricks, is that her name? No, Christina no. Hendricks is the Mad Men lady. Right, but this um, one is as equally sort of beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah, she has kind of an ethereal quality yeah. to her. extremely talented. It's so good, and we've been threatening forever to do, have you seen Locke? No. Okay, Locke is a Tom Hardy movie. Is that the one that's just him? It's just Tom Hardy. Here's how the, the movie starts. Tom Hardy gets in a car, and in real time, he drives, I think, from Northampton to London, and it takes like an hour and a half, which is how long the movie is. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is shot inside the car with Tom Hardy, and he, it's just a series of phone calls that he makes <clears throat> over his Bluetooth headset. It's just Tom Hardy the whole movie inside a car. It's Tom Hardy drives for two hours and acts. And it is fucking 
blows me away oh, every time I, I watch it. I would like to see it. And it's really interesting because Tom Hardy started out as this goofy model in the 90s. He like won a modeling competition. Yeah. He And he looked like some, he really looked like a boy band Like a member. Backstreet Boy. His, yeah. early, his yes. early acting credits are very weird too. He was in Wuthering Heights. He played Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. He was in um, he was in Band of Brothers as a as like a hundred and ten pound Tom Hardy, yep. which is when you see him as Bane and he's like two twenty, totally yoked. So good. I did not believe it was Tom Hardy. I was looking for another character. I didn't know he was playing Bane. <laughs> yeah. I just knew that he was in this movie. And finally, the person like the no, the person I was with said no. Tom Hardy is playing Bane. I'm like, no, no, no. no. You must be incorrect. You know, and there's a thing. <clears throat> I think it has to do with nostalgia. Where we were saying like Paul Paul Newman. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. The, everyone picked that up. Good. Yeah, we all got that. But dude, that's not the worst burp we've ever had. No, I've almost puked on this microphone before. <laughs> <laughs> a couple times. But we were saying like Paul Newman, Steve McQueen. There's there are certain I mean uh, uh, Marlon Brando. Yeah. It's like Sorry. there's there's this temptation sure. to say, and I'm guilty of it too, where you say like there just aren't any actors that have that thing anymore. You're just not looking. It's yeah, not, it's, not it's like when You're people right. say modern music sucks. There's no good modern music. That's, I'm like, you are not listening. Listen in the right place. Yeah, Squirrel is a modern band. The Jesus Old Lizard Town is still Road, playing. man. I mean, this is fucking one of the best songs written in the last ten years. Bird just got me into Greta Van Fleet, dude. It's like Led Zeppelin 2.0. Yeah, there's Greta a, Van Fleet's amazing. There's a whole shitload of great music. Mm-hmm. There, I if you're, they don't. I don't think that's the actual name of the song. What? That was <laughs> Old Town Road. Is Old that? Town Road is that the one yeah, that I'm thinking it. of? Yeah. The with little Nas. With little Nas. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's a, yeah, but then he then he get his his next one is Panini. I know. He lost all so credibility. Stupid. Who are we talking about? Little Nas. Little Nas. Nas. Talk yeah. about it. Uh, but but uh, you're right. I think that I, I'm with you that it's easy to say that. There's, yeah. They don't make them like they used to. But they I mean, do though. They do. And I do think, and I and I kind of feel bad for saying because I do think Brad Pitt is way underrated. I think he deserves more awards than he's been given. We've we've hit a we've done almost 200 episodes now, so yeah. we've we've got a couple of them. But like uh, Brad Pitt for us is like either playing Brad Pitt and it's really distracting, or he's playing Brad Pitt and it's exactly what he needs to be doing. Right. Like Inglorious. The content has to be right. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards, perfect. Twelve Years a Slave. Felt a little oh. weird, like Brad Pitt in a slave movie. Right. Well, kind, seven years yeah. in Tibet, more like seven years in my living room. Yeah, that was not. I get it, but um, uh, um. But no, he's good. He's definitely good. I think he's good. great. Uh, Burn after reading was. Have you ever seen? I think that's a, okay. So <laughs> we have a dead. we have a whole history with this movie. We have a whole yeah. history with the so, Coen Brothers and me hating every Coen Brothers movie. So Carl except kept for all possible? of them. It's not true. It's, it's not, not true. No. So Carl used to say, "I was going to have to leave." No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it was a very I did the same thing. Strange thing that happened where I. <laughs> <laughs> For about two months, every time you bring up the Coen Brothers, I'm like, I fucking overrated. Yeah, I don't like their movies. Yeah, he pissed about it. He's like, I hate the Coen Brothers. Until one day, he like called me on the dance floor. He's like, well, what do you think about this movie? I'm like, oh, it's brilliant. What do you think about this movie? Oh, it's brilliant. Turns out, I just didn't kind of not really care for about two of them. Oh and my the, God, I can't even... Yeah, well, he was. He kept wow, saying wow, like, wow. I hate the Coen Brothers. I fucking hate them. That's impossible. Over, and I was like, Carl, you don't... Overrated bullshit. You don't hate the Coen Brothers. He's like, I do. I'm like... Miller's Crossing. Oh, it's like, brilliant. Yeah, uh, Big Lebowski. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. Fargo. Uh, Fargo. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. <laughs> Raising like, Arizona. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. Yeah, we went through all of them, and he's like, I'm like, what about Burn After Reading? I'm like, a little lukewarm on it, but I'm it's still like, pretty good I'm like, that one's movie. okay. I'm like... <laughs> so you 
just didn't Burn really like Burn After Reading is one that you watch a few times and then yeah, you're like, that was, oh my god, that is so I funny. I watched it again recently and I'm like, actually, that was pretty funny. Admittedly, good I've only seen it once and it oh. is the only Coen Brothers movie that I'm not hugely a fan of. It was a tough call because you had Fargo was so huge. Mm. Fargo was huge. This was like, uh, um, Frances McDormand had, other, had had other roles since Fargo, but... It was hard to go from that role to anything. Anything for else? Her. And Brad, I, do I, the I, accent. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, for cute. Oh, oh, for cute. Oh my god. I. Well, but I thought Brad Pitt was fantastic. In season one, our uh, Raising Arizona almost won Flick of the Year. Ooh. That was almost our pick for the best movie of the entirety of season one. What one? Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive by Jim Jarmusch. Oh, never seen it. That, that must be fantastic. It's a whole other experience. When we discovered Jim Jarmusch, it was just like a... But it was basically a month of Carl and I founding a religion around a Pretty new Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of what we did. <laughs> That's funny. My buddy Joe just saw him in concert playing... As uh, Squirrel? As Squirrel while his movies were playing. I couldn't be more jealous of your friend, Yeah, Joe. Danielle's like, did you see Joe's posts today? I'm like, no. Look, I'm like... That's Jim Jarmish, and then she pushes play. I'm like, you need to take that fucking phone away from me right now before I break it. I'm no longer friends with I'm Joe. No longer friends with Joe. He's at a squirrel concert with Jim Jarmish while he's playing his movies. It's probably it, it's part of the reason we started a band. We started a psychedelic rock band, and it's probably because of Jim Jarmish. It, it is become a, become of Jim Jarmish. Become of. That's funny. Um, it's been a long day. It has yeah, been. It's our third episode. Um, and it was a long one, three hours, which is Irwin Allen was like the producer of the 70s for disaster films. Yeah. He did Poseidon Adventure as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, very epic. Like all of them were huge. These big, long, sweeping. The scale. I think if it wasn't, though, it wouldn't word. have worked because the movie needs either. to be as big as the event that you're It needs watching. to be as big as the tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the scope and scale of the... And the Poseidon the... is what is supposed to be larger than the Titanic, right? Oh, That's yeah. the whole idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's these huge monolithic things. Well, and everything about this movie is large on scale from the cast to the, yeah. the building. Everything is of it's well, large. I think there are two elements which really create this this expansive sense of scale which we get in the movie. One is the brilliant cinematography. They utilize a wide shot in this movie better than all, most movies that I've seen. They'll shoot from outside the building and pan around it looking through the windows. Oh, I love that so much. So you get the you get when we're up in the what's it I always want to say veranda but it's the not promenade. It's the, the promenade. When they're up on the top floor on the promenade, we get plant we get tons of shots of the entire promenade. It's all in mm-hmm. the bay. Yeah, is and incredible. when we we see uh, Steve McQueen hanging off the bottom of the helicopter when he's going up to set the charges, oh, we're not up close on him. Mm-mm. The helicopter takes up, say, like one-tenth of your screen, and Steve McQueen is an ant. And that is what, if you're up close, you're like, look, it's Steve McQueen on a chain. But when you're that far away, you're like, holy shit, look how high up he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, look how small he is. This fire is huge. This building is huge. And even when they're, you're, they, they've got the shots of the, of the fire trucks heading to... The scene, it's not just one or two trucks. They they show them out on the streets of San Francisco, and it's, and you, I mean, the, the, you feel like you're on the on the fire truck with yeah. them, and you have a conversation. Some of those shots of those, yeah, those are yeah. gorgeous. They, they shot a conversation of two firefighters on screaming the way, screaming at each other, screaming at each other on the way. One of them had never been to 
uh, a high rise fire and it that was such a great exchange mm-hmm. where he's like, I you hope been in one of these high rises. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a piece of shit. Basically, uh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're pretty fucked, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being in a chimney. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, man. I, one of my favorite lines is uh, when Steve, McQ- I think it's Steve McQueen says it when they're on their way, and he's like, well, if it's any, if anything above the seventh floor, there's nothing we can do for it. And yeah. We've been telling you guys forever, you keep building them taller. Yes, yep. dude. And the fire's on 81. Mm-hmm. That's where the fire breaks out. <laughs> and oh right God. at the beginning, after they we take this beautiful helicopter ride, then we see the first sort of, after the credits, um, I've never, and I still haven't seen a movie do this, right at the beginning, they thank firefighters and those yes. who serve in the firefighter you know those who uh protect us and save us in the fi- who are, i've never seen that done they still don't they see dedicate them. the film at the top i yeah. don't think ron howard even did that in backdraft they got i think they got their title card at the end we like to thank the chicago fire department for blah 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 and this yeah. was to all firefighters this yeah. was just a it's the open thing it was kind of moving it I was very so moving Wait. hats on body bags was super fucking moving too this that was actually this is something that we can talk about really quick you were brought this up uh about four hours into the it was in the lobby when they were tending the and, wounded yeah and you were saying man this movie reads different now after 9-11 and we've there's a couple movies that we've done over the course of two years basically any movie that's in new york when they show the skyline and you see the towers die hard three was rough yeah because they show the trade center is in the background of any shot where they're running through the streets it's always it's there. It's always there. And we've we've done a couple of movies where uh, we, I think it was another one with Die Hard Three, where when a bomb will explode and they'll blow that dust all over the street, and you see people walking with dust on them. Yeah, that is a different image now. Absolutely. For sure. In ni- in 1985 or in 1976, a bomb goes off and everyone's covered in the dirt from the bomb, and that meant something in 1985. But in Every day after two thousand, after two thousand one, after September eleventh, that image is is a whole new image now. It's true. And this movie, I mean, this is a movie about a building burn. We there's where the, people could potentially be faced with: should I jump? Should I? We burn see, we see that here. Too. Those were yeah, the hardest God. moments. Yeah, oh. all of this movie is horrifying because it's like this. It's a this big tra- tragic. It's a disaster. Yes. Yeah. But there is a new context to these people are on fire mm-hmm. and rather than sit and burn, they jump out the window and the movie shows you people falling 100, 100 floors, 130 floors. When that woman f- falls out of the yeah, elevator, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. And you pointed, yeah. we we love um, dummy falls. Yeah. We absolutely <laughs> love dummy falls sure. on this show. Because who doesn't? Absolutely. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. But there's... This dummy fall, you point out, and she's like, and she hits the building, and one second later, and she's, bam, she, she hits and starts like spinning. like seven times, oh my God. Yeah, and the, you know they had to sit there and figure out if how a body would do that, how yep. a body would hit. That was not random. It looks incredible, and we all cheer it's, because it looks... We, it doesn't look like a dummy. The, no, like a the dummy. effects work in this movie is... It's this is a movie you said we you pointed out at the beginning. You're like I asked how much it costs, and you're like this movie's fourteen million dollars. I was like seems like nothing. I was like wow, and then you start watching the movie, and you're like uh, I think the first ten minutes were fourteen million dollars. How did they cut corners and save on this budget? Is the amount the number of helicopters that are in the air in this movie? Mm -hmm. I guess gas was free. In 1974, there was a like, gas crisis in the 70s. There was no free oh gas. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? 
For no free gas. Because you no, okay, because they're using fire bars and kind of stuff like that to like generate the fire. So they're they're expending so much fuel on. This. Wow, those those fires are incredible. Yeah, the, this we could go two hours on the stunt work, the fire, like mm-hmm. all that. It, it's some oh, of the man. most incredible burn work I've ever seen Fish. in a motion picture. The guy I, I ran the I used to the run the hundred and ten seconds flat. Robert that, Wagner. Yeah. Oh my! Is God. that Robert Wagner? Yeah. Robert Wagner's burn is I would I have to give it number two I still think that Halloween, Halloween two, two is still, the best burn we've ever seen yeah. I can't even disagree with that I know which one you're talking when about when he walks out of the room yeah, yeah it's just the most impressive burn ever the and burning it's burning so hot the fire's white for Christ's yes, sake yes and the stuntman is on fire for like a full minute and it's you unreal s- you can see the minute he catches fire too like he was on fire within a the two steps out of that room. Yes. Like, look, he's on fire on the sleeve, and you see it. Ta- when Robert Wagner, st- he's he's barely out the door. Yeah. This is this to me. There's I, I as a writer, I like to think of like the different connotations of words, and it's like there's fear means something. Terror is a different kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Horror is a really specific type of fear, and there's something genuinely horrifying. About he makes it. He's like, I can. I'm gonna get us some help, and he gives gets her the, the smile. Gives her the smile. Turns hat, his face changes two completely. Steps, and he is fully on fire. Yeah. That is a whole new kind of hopelessness. Yeah. And what's worse is they make you sit with who's the? Do you know the actress that? I can't. I can scene? never remember her name. So, but his his girlfriend or yep. whatever. They he fully catches on fire and dies, and she screams and slams the door. And the fire's the, already in the room. The fire's in the room, and the movie makes us sit with her. And then the smoke oh. starts to get to her. She's gagging, dude. Her eyes are watering. She's got mucus her eyes are coming legit out of her watering fucking nose, too. There's, that room is packed with smoke. Yeah, so I, back up to when he comes out of the room. And I watch this every moment, and I've still never, I've never not decided if he... If he purposefully walked off that glass, you know, because you know how he, right at the end, he, oh, he walks yeah. the glass. And then he he falls. And I'm, I, I, I'm, in my head, I'm wondering if in his character, he finds, he purposely finds where he knows he can fall and kill himself because yeah. he's just burning, he's walking burning. and burning. And, or a, is that random? I have a different theory, but I think it's kind of based on the number of Halloween movies and the number of discussions we've had about dead people recently. Um, the way, and I think to this stunt person's credit, I think this is a conscious choice. When you when you're burning like that for that long, he's been on on this guy's been on fire for like forty seconds, forty five seconds yeah. to a minute, fully engulfed, head to toe in flames. You're the uh, the pain just drives you completely out of your head. His nerves are all dead. He's probably just feeling cold. He's fully in shock. And there's this, I'm gonna say, beautiful performance beat. It's horrifying, but there's yeah. this beautiful moment when he steps, goes oh. to step off the ledge, where his arms drop to his side yes. and he goes fully limp. And falls rather than jumps off. I think he's dead on his feet. Oh, oh shit! That's, uh, that's a great theory. Yeah, I think I think he's his brain has just gone all the way off, and he just falls off but of. But you described it perfectly. That I've never been able to articulate it yet. And I mean, I've seen this movie what, twice a year for twenty <laughs> years. I mean, seriously, this is one of my favorite movies. Cause it's you, so you, good. I'm so glad that I got introduced to it yeah, with you because you can really dissect it. Yes, and, and um. 
I've always wondered, you articulate it perfectly right there at the end. It's not like jumping off, so I can't make that decision. Right. Giving, he just goes limp and allows it. And, and do you think that was the stuntman's yeah, I, choice or the director? The th- I think it's. I think that stuntmen but don't... But purposeful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One of the things that I think we're discovering more and more, we've always been fans of stunts since day one, because who isn't? Yeah. But I think that stunt people don't get enough credit for making artistic choices with their stunts. Like, you can jump off a building, but you can also jump off a building in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Or you can take a squib a really certain... And, and some stunt people do it better than others. And I think that in this case, I think especially especially people who do burns. Think about the dude who did Michael Myers' burn in Halloween too. Yeah. The really deliberate walk. He's still doing the Myers walk fully on fire. That's a whole new level of performance. That's not just we're going to light you on fire and then and then we're going to put you out in 20 seconds. You're doing performance while right. you're on He's fire. He's acting as Michael Myers would act while he is fully engulfed in fire for real. That's a human fully in, engulfed in fire and making performance decisions. Yeah. That's a that is a very high level acting. Mm-hmm. So I I totally give this dude credit because you can see once he gets near the ledge, his arms drop his head kind of sags and a little. He just goes. He shuffles and then he just falls forward. Is he? he his Dead body his goes. Feet. That's a great way of. He probably was just yeah. giving in at that moment and oh, mm. dead on his feet. That's a yeah. I yeah. love that. That, that now now that makes Next me look at it completely. Next time I see it, I'm gonna be like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but it is that moment but has always is. been really big for me. That very few it's seconds. Powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. That few seconds has uh, always been really uh, chilling. Uh, to that me. that couple and their and their impending it's doom. It's so sad. It's so sad. And it's mm-hmm. so sudden. That that scene is so perfect for dissection because it starts with that thing that I was talking about earlier. Post-Weedle like, Joy. Yeah. They go did you from smell this, a cigarette? That's yeah. not a cigarette. Did from you, that, did you leave a cigarette? Five early? minutes later, they're both dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, he, oh my. They're he, basking in the glow of yes. their love. He, he says it to her. I mean, and they're having a clandestine affair. They never establish if he's married or she's married. My guess is he's just the boss and that wasn't allowed. Right, right. Um, so it was just... Um, but he says it's not just an Talk affair. Talk about dangerous liaisons. Yeah. <laughs> but and she's no one knows we're up here. I know, Did, but but the but oh, but why do they always have to turn sex into something like here's your punishment? Right. You know, yeah. Isn't every tr- just a hidden trope. trope in everything? Yeah. Well, I ta- I, I, I mentioned it. it when the when we first meet. A dirty um, woman gets her uh, just desserts w- for having sex. Well, we did watch six Halloween movies so far, and basically That's anybody anybody yeah, who touches right. if you've <laughs> even thought about genitals in anywhere right. in the movie, Don, you're getting a knife you in your head. Fully touched your penis to piss today. You're dead. You're Done. probably dead. dead. Uh, you can't I do hope that. You didn't wipe today no. because you. Heaven yeah. forfend. <laughs> so they did. They. He actually says he loves her, so you know it's yeah. not just this affair. And you're right. They. They. It's the, just that, that smell. Did you smell it? the harbinger of things to come yeah. with that? Did you? Did you leave a cigarette burning? It's not a cigarette. It's such a. It's oh so God. well constructed from a writing standpoint and from a plotting standpoint because they open the door and they get. So there's the bedroom, a living room, and then the outer chamber yeah and the outer chambers on fire and they close that and they close the bedroom door and put towels down and then he picks up the phone and it's dead because he shut the phones off yeah and he pretends to have a conversation with the firefighters and there's something about the fact that he is lying right now the fact that he's pretending that help will come that just immediately pulls all the hope out of your heart yep Mm -hmm. because he's not just lying to her 
He's lying to himself it's so too. Like bleak. it's a whole bleak. Yep. And he hangs the phone up, and did you notice by the time he hangs that phone up, there's smoke coming under the door. Right. And it was so quick. It's so fast. It gives you that false sense, like, well, it's not even. It's not in their immediate apartment, and it's, it's still two doors out. away. It's, yeah. They have time for something. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be fine. And then he he goes and runs out, and or before, but even before that, she go she catches on, and she goes, "There's no." fire there was never any firefighters were yeah, there yeah she knew and he fesses up he's yep. like i shut the phones off thought it would and make he, it easier on we, you yeah we can't call he out. knows that he killed them both there's actually a couple people in here who realize that they made a mistake and it's gonna cost maybe them and maybe a bunch of other people their lives and this guy he killed two people i think the that builder I, maybe yeah. have killed 200 right i don't i think he and and her name was and the, the actress's name was um Susan Flannery. I can never remember oh, her name. Oh, she is. She's beautiful. Susan too. Flannery. She's she is. She's gorgeous. She's, and and she's her her smoke performance. Yes. And when she breaks the window out, she's the one that that bails out the window. Oh, she breaks no. the window, gets backdrafted out. out. She gets oh, backdrafted out the window. And part of me wonders if whether she. I I, I think what there's two ways I I could read it is she knows that if she breaks the window, she's toast. But I think the. The, the read that disturbs me more is she has no recourse left because she can't keep breathing smoke. Mm-hmm. So she's like, even if it costs me my life, I will have a breath of fresh air before I die. Right. And she busts that window oh, out God. and dies. Well, and that's, I was thinking, you know, especially tonight, I was really paying attention to that. And I thought, how crazy is it that even in that situation that our our instincts will take over to live to try and survive even, even yeah. though there was breath. right even yeah. though there was absolutely not one iota of a chance that her body just takes over and tries to f- grasp for air yeah. when actually going unconscious would be a much kinder death right would be the most kind death well you of even said like what that, if that's the situation that I'm in I'm going to drink all the all that vodka all that bourbon on and that bar cart and pass the fuck in. out and yeah. breathe yeah. in as much as I can well yeah you were both saying that and I was like I'm I'm trying to think as realistically as I can and I'm like I don't think I got it in me. I think I would be like, maybe I can go through the roof. And even if I'm on fire, I'm like, well, where's the pool? I, I feel right. I feel like I would, and it, I'm sure it would, and think about that, what that would cost me. You guys are sleeping on the couch, breathing <laughs> smoke, <laughs> dreaming of Paul Newman's oh, eyes and dying right, like peacefully. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm I on fire it. like, I want to live. I'm like, I don't want to feel fire. I am fire, motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, I'm the master fire. What are you even talking Check about? <laughs> we want to live for the world <laughs> shit anyway. God. Well, Paul Newman, they should leave it just like it is as a monument to the bullshit yeah, in the world. You really bother the good shit. Yeah, (laughs) spare no expense. I love at the end when he says, you know, when he makes the comment about and and nobody ever asks us how to build them, and Paul Newman, I'm asking asking you now. You know where I am. You know where I am, dude. It's top to bottom, and it it ends so well. The world being shit too. (laughs) But what a great interest. But it's an interesting choice. I I got stuck on this idea that in a, a decade. In an era where everybody smokes, on screen, off screen, in the office, you don't see a cigarette anywhere Nowhere. on this set. Nowhere. Nobody smokes. That is so unusual. For this time period, it really is. I was thinking, 
that has to be a choice. And I I'm think wondering, it has to be. It has right? to be the yeah. no the no of cigarettes then? because there is a doesn't yeah. it hold on a no smoking sign at one point somewhere? Or is that a different movie we watched? Maybe to prevent fire. No, I think it was Halloween Six. Sorry, stacking three movies together. I, I, I'm it's like, a lot I'm of flicks a in a like, day. Ugh. Yeah, you guys are you guys are superheroes. It's because we got behind. We got behind. <laughs> so we had to play catch up. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if if they thought, look, with the only with the only time we want people to see smoke is when it's associated with this with disaster. This that's I actually that's a good idea. A good I, mean, idea. I don't yeah. want to see it anywhere. I don't want it to see I don't want there to be confusion. Like, did you leave a cigarette smoking? You don't have a, you're, when no were you one, smoking? Yeah, who's smoking cigarettes? No smoking. I like that choice. When I you think, think when I think about it like that. That's a service statement. Too. I think that's a good read this on it, Because this is before a lot of those safety measures were put, put into place for right. tall, like for high rises in particular. Any, that, I think, yeah, I think that might be a, that might be part of it, but we maybe because we just talked about Deathly Hollows Part One and the decision to make Voldemort look like the snake, even though he wouldn't have looked like the snake in the past, not to confuse the viewer. I think this is a, a per- yeah, not to confuse. Yeah, this might be like a all right. Well, if he's smoking a cigarette though, then the smoke. How do we differentiate the cigarette smoke from the fire mm-hmm. smoke? We'll might have smoke in places where there's not a fire. Yeah, D- so there's never a confusion. Yeah, makes sense. I dig that. One that of the most sense. amazing things in this movie I think I think one of the coolest characters in this movie is the fire itself absolutely Incredible. because it's the fire is like a, it to me is kind of like a Lovecraftian creeping it's a bit horror. sentient too it knows where the elevator is but not in that way where you're like what because we see it happening before it happens like when the elevator is slowly going down we're like oh my god it's going so slowly right it has to go fire. right by three floors you just sort of know that the fire is going I, to I, lash I, I out just, in some way. I just noticed something though. Throughout this movie, the the fire is continually a great teacher, a great teacher of lessons, of things that you should not have done. <laughs> and you know, whether it's, it's from building the building to you were told not to go down that staircase and yet his character heads down and he gets <laughs> literally like burned by the fire. Yeah. So that the the fire takes on this great not not evil, which is an interesting I think, thing. Yeah, I don't fire th- isn't evil. The fire no. doesn't take on this this evil specter to me. It takes. It was a great teacher. But what that's it's not evil, but it is. There are certain things that humans are all pretty much always afraid oh, of. Oh right, right, right. This is like that. This is like that Jungian primal archetypal fear. Like sure. spiders and serpents. Mm-hmm. Why do we not like spiders and serpents, but we like dogs? Why? Why are we always? Af- why do? Why do we fear the dark and not the light? Why do we fear fire, even though fire is Brings a source us, of right. light? Like f- humans have a really weird relationship with fire, and something about this fire in particular I really like, which is the pace at which it it it, it insinuates itself very slowly mm-hmm. at its own pace but it but is it's inevitable inevitable is the perfect word for it the right. fire will get to you eventually the stairs look perfect right now in five minutes they won't right. that's one of the that was one of the most remarkable parts of this movie is watching them move through the building mm-hmm. and the clean spaces were just as scary as the not as the ones on fire because you know it's eventually that pristine stairwell is what going to be on fire what freaks me out is revisiting spaces we've been to before and they're fully engulfed yep in and not now. that long yeah. ago but yeah long, oh my god because they're like they're going up at first oh we can't go down those stairs anymore there's fire's a, gone that happens now. constantly throughout yeah. Yeah, because we're in their apartment. Then yep. we're in their apartment on fire. Then we're in the 
it happens all the time. There's a bit where to get they they make like 20 floors on the staircase, but then as they're going back down, there's only like eight floors available, and we don't see the fire take the eight floors. We just mm-hmm. come back and it has risen it's like the tide. There's something really kind of slithery about the fire and the way that you okay you can close a door you can pack your towels under there that smoke is still going to start drifting mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to keep it out and that's really scary menacing it's, it's just the a feeling. chaos bag full of all fucking auto it's just fails, all baby. auto fails it's the <laughs> i've got to bring up Ar- arkham horror in every episode yeah we've missed two with no arkham horror for the last two but it's this movie manages to be tense for it's three hours long mm-hmm. for two hours and fifty my, minutes. I'm not even joking when I say my stomach. Mm-hmm. Must, I feel like I was doing crunches for an hour. I've only seen one other movie that that made me feel this uneasy this long. It's Hereditary. Yeah. Oh wow, Hereditary. That's, that's her- something. That's something to say. Yeah, it's. It, and I've seen this movie probably twenty times. Not as mm-hmm. many runs as you, but like. It's, kind of a, it's weird. I know. But, but no, every I, time I, I watch, no, every time I watch it. It's the same experience. Mm. It's the muscles get tight. I'm like, oh, fuck. What? The stair scene, our nominee for best stunt of the year, the Paul Newman stairwell oh fall. That was insanity. Awesome. That stuntman falling down the scaffolding. He, he looked like a monkey being he able did. to grab on it the last it time. It was insane. It didn't even look real no. how in control of his body this fucking person was. Yeah. It's, but, he, but he manages to look out of control as he falls yeah. while looking like perfectly. Like a good stair fall, but this is between... Yeah, dude. This is like stair fall to 11. This, this is, is Buddhist <laughs> monk goal. level of goddamn stair fall. Oh, right yeah. Now. They were like, all right, who's our best stair fall guy? And like, that'd be me. <laughs> they're like, do you think you could fall down a vertical bent pipe? And he's like, you know, yeah. look, I don't see why not. Let me just finish my drink real quick. Because <laughs> this is 75, yeah. and these are 1975 stuntmen. Well, and, you know, and this fire is it's relentless. Yes. It doesn't, and just much like the tension, this fire will not let up on you. Just when you think, okay, we can get everybody out on the scenic elevator, well, no. Okay, maybe oh. we, can get, we can get twelve people down there, and you think we can save twelve people? Nope. That fire came in, and that accidentally blew out the scenic elevator, and somebody, somebody dies. I mean, it's a relentless fire without being. How do I say this? Without unnecessarily. It doesn't cruel. seem unfair. Yeah, because it doesn't seem unfair. It's just like fuck. No, that doesn't work anymore now. But right. you never feel cheated. It's as frightening as Michael Myers in seventy-eight and eighteen. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a force of nature. There's no malice behind it. Right. It's just what it is. And that makes your death meaningless, which is so much worse. It's not something coming after you to because you you called its mom a bad name or whatever. It's just a thing that happened and you died. Yeah. It sucks. But with this, there is the lesson because the builder now and everybody involved, at least we got this sense that... I like this subplot. Yeah, uh, at least we got this sense that there's going to be improvement in Something the world. Something right. Future yeah. lives will be saved because of the disaster of the day. And I like that the movie doesn't... The movie doesn't say like, and here's the moral. No, it doesn't. You, never. You, you learn your lessons through through the cost that the fire because Paul Newman doesn't immediately forgive the builder the no. builder reaches out an olive branch like I fucked up I'm sorry and he's like yep, yep. walked away and walks away yeah that I was love consistently a, yeah. too he does it several times the builder's like well you listen man I'm the builder I had every right and Paul Newman's like I don't have time to talk to you what and just walks away and leaves the uh, who's the who's the actor who plays the builder that, that's that's William Holden William Holden he 
is I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I, if I have, I don't remember. But he seeing his moments of reflection, where he's he puts up this facade of like I can't be inconvenienced. I got the mayor here. But then when he hangs up the phone, we, we get a couple seconds mm-hmm. of him, and those couple seconds are like, I'm. Uh. I hope I'm making this, bad choices. Where he's like, I hope yeah. this didn't get worse. And it builds all the way to the end, and I think I even said it out loud audibly. Well, that is what out loud is. <laughs> you know, I'm a genius. <laughs> oh, God. So, but he, I, um, when they're, they're at the end, when they're all tying themselves down because of the million gallons of water, I love the camera work and the angle. One shot on William Holden, sweaty, yep. wet, and you see he's completely uh, aware. Yeah. He's completely self-aware in that moment. He sees what his decisions have wrought, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I, he, he can't, there's no he, There's no words left. There's nothing, he can't even bear, he can't even begin to cope with what he's done. He's like, this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. All these, de- there's dead people in the room. My wife's husband is dead. One of the most. Husband, his, do- his, his daughter's, daughter's husband. husband. My wife's husband. He hus- is his wife's his, husband. He's just sitting there with a, like a piece of glass. He's like. And Words are so, so hard right now. My wife's husband. My daughter's father is as dead. to be heard by other people. I'm dying. Oh. Oh yeah, that's totally cool. What happened? Um, her her ride is here, but oh, we're, shit. we okay. can we, we can, can keep going. I just need he's outside. I'm so sorry. Can you oh, edit no, this yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to just run, Carl and I can talk about the movie for a second. You can pop back in. We do this all the time. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Carl goes to the bathroom. I'll take the I'm whole going shit to during the bathroom. Episode. <laughs> Guests do their taxes. It's Forget fine. anything you heard before this moment. I have to pee. <laughs> so, Carl, the towering inferno, Carl. Yeah, yeah, it's that one. <laughs> it's the one closest to you. So, Carl. I love our show so much. It is. It's kind of fun, right? Just taking a massive dump right now. <laughs> well, this might. This will be a bit. This yeah, is going to be, be a, a while, yeah. We had we had a lot of curry while we watched we this movie. We did a lot of spiced <laughs> curry while we watched three hours of the Italian Inferno. Oh, dude. Well, so. Let's talk about let's talk about the way that the the way that this movie creates early tension. Yeah. One of my favorite things is having how many exits they have at the start. They're like, "Okay, we got elevator 1 and the scenic elevator and the staircase and the second staircase and the roof. We're gold. Yep, we have five good. ways out of this room and the fire is 50 floors below us." So they start the evacuation. And they're like, all right, well, get 12 people in the elevator and send them on down. Oh, we, we can't use the service elevator anymore? Uh, take that away from us now. Okay, the way that they take the service That's elevator. That's rowdy, dude. Dude, that it opens up on floor 81. And as it opens, fire, fire right whoo, into the fog. The fire gets sucked into the elevator. Dude, Steve McQueen is spraying fire, and he hears the ding, turns, Everyone in the elevator is on fire. He turns the hose and just he's doing his best. He's like, I want, I can maybe soak them, put these people out, maybe save one of them. The doors close. You see the moment of him being like, fuck, where he's like, I we just lost a whole car full of people. But he turned. He's already swinging the hose back to fight the fire. It's that moment where his face, where you see that he's like, I don't think that worked. I no. don't think I saved them. And it's fucked up, too, because the car doesn't continue to go down. It goes, it goes back, back up. up. 
It goes back. It pours a carload of people. Well, we find on fire. we find out in between them catching on fire. No, because th- it's that load of people who weren't supposed to go That's in. That's right. Like you can't use this elevator and anymore. You going die? Feel today. better? I feel so. <laughs> Definitely a little lighter. No, but there's there's that moment where they he gets the phone call. The builder gets the phone call, and he says, "Listen, the sensors in the elevator might stop the elevator at the fire. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone else go down." Those doors open. Everyone piles in. Dude, survival instinct. They're like, I got to get the fuck off the top floor of this place. And they all catch on fire. And you don't expect to see the elevator again. But then we cut back up to the promenade and everyone's milling around and you hear ding. And a dude walks out fully engulfed in flames. It's. Yeah. It makes you feel kind of sick. It does. It's really horrible. You will have tummy tums. But they've still got four ways out, Carl. Yep. We've only taken one. We've only away taken from them. one away. Okay, so the fire's not so dangerous. Let's go use the. Let's get them down on the el- other elevator. So they start going down the scenic elevator. elevator yes. And while they're doing that, they're like, uh, I think it's uh, Robert Vaughn realizes he's like, this is going to take like four hours. Right. What about we, the heart healthy and the? W- let's get the healthy people down the stairs. Yeah. The stairwell is full of smoke and there's flames in it. So they're like, okay, but that's fine. There's okay. There's so the we've lost. One. We've lost two. We have three left. And then the other door won't open. Mm-hmm. And three people can't get it open. It's this because is because of a prank. Yeah. <laughs> this is the... We hey, made up. <laughs> we need you to go pour concrete on the very top floor on a walkway <laughs> in front of the fire door. As you know, we told we, we mentioned it earlier. Some douchebag. <laughs> threw some cement back there. They cemented the fire door shut. So now there's only two ways out of this room. And we find out that the wind has uh, not, it won't let helicopters You're land on the roof. You're in San Francisco mm-hmm. Bay, and you are 185 stories up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the helicopters can't land. Later on. On a calm on, day, it's too windy up there to when land that, a helicopter, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, dude, when that one helicopter crashes, and they're like, okay, well, that's it for helicopters. There's a moment where the roof is taken away, and almost immediately afterwards, we lose all the power. So the scenic elevator is gone, mm-hmm. and without even realizing what was happening, every exit out of the promenade is taken away yeah. by the fire. It's and it, dude, it's not like we've lost two exits. It just happens. Right, it happens just bit by bit. And then there's this awesome moment where everyone is standing in the promenade, and they're like, "Okay, so we can't." And you can see it dawn on them where they're like, yeah. "Wait, there's no doorways, no elevators, and we can't get out by the roof." There's n- we're, we're trapped. Mm-hmm. We're all dead. You see it start Unless to sink in on. someone comes up with some miracle, right. which and they do. all of this started oh, with him they? saying, no worries, this thing is 50 floors down. We're just going to move you down. Not went from Not a problem. We don't expect to, that dinner will be delayed. Yep. To now, nobody's getting out. It goes from that to everyone is dead. 20 minutes. 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, crazy. it's so excellent. It's... I. For a three-hour movie, I love the pace of this. Right, it's, it's and no decade. I mean, no decade has embraced disaster films like the '70s, and I think it's a shame because you can you can weave in a great story into a disaster film. This movie proves it. The yeah. Poseidon Adventure. They're proves built for it. that. You have a group of random people together. You can build whatever. James Cameron did it with the Titanic, and one of the most worthless romance stories ever told. 
Around unless, unless you're watching unless it, Carl. You're watching because if you're it, watching it, you're like, the most brilliant. he really is good. James want, Cameron's his goddamn genius. I want him to genius. be me like one of his French girls. <laughs> oh God! I Look, I'll, I'll wear whatever you want. Sing my yeah. ballad of you're, love. You're watching it. You love it. The credits roll, and you're like, fucking James Cameron. Am I right? I'll go back and watch <laughs> it. That's really eight how times. it happened in like ninety. When it came out too. Yeah. yeah. It, hi, it went hi. from zero to douche in like. Three minutes. A week. Yeah. It was yeah. still in theaters and people were like, that's stupid movie. <laughs> no, you want to go see it? Absolutely. Are you buying? I mean, yeah, I'm right. totally going to watch it again. Okay. Well, I, and we actually. Fast forward to the boat. Right. <laughs> Same thing happened to Avatar. Both of those movies were the highest grossing movie of all time when they came out. They became the so hot. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Avatar's stupid. I'm like, well, it made a hundred bajillion dollars. Right. And so. it really but wasn't stupid. But you're stupid. totally right, though. You can, you can, any story you want to tell can be told. Yeah, in mm-hmm. in that environment, it puts and it, it elevates it. It puts mm-hmm. a wide variety of people under a wide variety of circumstances in very extreme circumstances, and then we watch how they react. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's it's a right. perfect character study thing, yep. but also an action movie. Yeah. I agree, and I think that uh, San Andreas. That's, Is that the Rock one? Yeah, one the Rock? and really all that ended up being was another Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, I'm kind of okay which with I'm that. fine with. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love the man, but when you love disaster films, it was nothing but a letdown. Wait a minute, right? Yeah, I he, thought it was a letdown. He he's in a movie like, that is like basically tower. the Towering Inferno. Yeah, and Die Hard, where he has it's, a fake leg. Like, yeah, it was a remake of yeah, it. Yeah, that is a they they build it as a remake of the Towering Inferno. Mm-hmm. It's well, terrible. We, we I, as a Quillen film measuring flicks we binding contract, to. we legally have to watch that I mean, movie. Okay. Now. Well, and I tell you, that's how un uh, unforgettable it is, or that's how forgettable it is. I forgot that that he made that, and I'm sitting here talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson doing a disaster film, completely spaced. That he and yeah. what's her name? It was awful. I mean, it completely strays from the formula. Oh, and the no. one, let me ask you, what was the one thing that really was most polarizing? The amount of people that are going to die, right? Yeah. Otherwise, what's There's at stake? Hundreds of people. What's at stake then, right? Steve McQueen. This is virtually an empty fucking building in oh, Dwayne Johnson's movie. Steve McQueen's Two line. Why do you care then? Exactly. It's unbelievable. Steve McQueen walks past Paul Newman. He turns back and he goes, "We got lucky tonight. Yeah. Maybe only two hundred died. Fucking yes. shit, right? Yeah. That's a win. That's You're a gonna win. call that a win? Two hundred. You have people? alive people on the ground now. Right. Yeah. Like that's dude. And right before that, Steve McQueen has the look over, and he lost seven dudes. And you see the helmets on top of the body oh. bags. You're right. Yeah. That moment, dude. It, it, yeah. This is that. That is one of the things about. I've only seen the two disaster films, but both have it, which is, boy, the endings can't be happy. They just aren't. No. Because by definition, you're in the aftermath of a disaster. So it's like, thank God we got through that. But no, and, you know, like everyone else is like, we made it. We made it. Many of our friends didn't make it. Right. But I think Shit. the message is that in anything, and I don't get to mean to get all schmaltzy, but it's, I mean, unless it's an absolute scorched earth situation and everybody's dead, hope. When there is life, there is hope. When there's breath, there is hope. And everyone ends with some sort of hope because people survive. Yeah. A lesson was yeah. learned. No, was it good? But hey, it could have been 5,000 people in that tower. It could have been fully occupied. Yeah, it could I, have been a busy yeah. day when it was, yeah, fully yeah. rented and I was capacity. shocked. Yeah by my physical reaction every time someone got their feet on the pavement outside the tower. Seriously. Ooh, yes. Whether it's two of them or 12 of them, yes. like, thank God. When that elevator, when that elevator so touches true. down and they start stepping off, you are like, 
<sighs> you don't even you realize you're holding your breath. You realize how many people so are still, still there. there. But when um uh, the firefighter guy is fucking hanging mm-hmm. off that elevator and he's Steve McQueen keeps losing his right hand and you're like and he can't get it back up and they I don't want to watch anymore. They're well, getting I lower. Know, I'm like stop just it. Like, I don't want to look away. I'm sitting in my chair with like my full cramps going and like my jaw is set, my teeth are cracking in my head and then he falls onto the pad and you're like, "Oh! Oh!" And then they do something you just never see, and you know this isn't CGI. They set an entire, fully operational, scenic elevator, plop it onto a street in San Francisco. That was not. They th- lowered it by helicopter. I have a theory street. about how they did it. I don't think they did it with the helicopter. You never see you never see the elevator and the helicopter in the same shot. So oh. I think that the the helicopter is holding a weight to keep the line taut. And what's actually moving the elevator is a crane. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Because you'd be able to control it more. It'd be way less dangerous. And there's no reason. My brain is remembering seeing them both. And I was was more. I watched real carefully. Memory is fallible. And I was more excited that they they used it. I mean, there they are. They're like, we're going to film the, uh, the elevator scene like. That's a that's a at least a real mock elevator. It's yeah, in the street. People. Yeah, it's in the big. street. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and it's open too. There's windows missing. I'm like, I'm like, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Your your house makes weird noises. Yeah, well, it's haunted as shit. So that's probably why. Um, what do you for a three hour movie to do it in an hour and a half is tricky. But I mean, like. I think we got it. I'm I, so sorry. I'm not. I, we don't. I'm. I didn't mean no, to. No, no, no. No, we we're good. I okay. mean, the bottom line is, y'all need to go see his fucking movie. Yeah. And I now by I, go see it. I mean, buy it for seven dollars on Amazon or whatever. It's and yeah. The Towering Inferno collection. is. You can probably get it for free from TADL, which is probably where I get most of my movies. It's on Voodoo for like two ninety nine as well. It is. Give it a so, rent. It is incredible. so worth it. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. I'm so excited for you guys not to see the Dwayne Johnson one. It really, it's a spectacle, of sure. course, and he's a, he's fun to watch. But it's, we'll probably shit on it. It, and it bears no resemblance to this movie. We'll, but we'll the tower, <laughs> but the tower in in South Korea. We're gonna be checking that out. We will definitely be watching that one. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you Michelle. for having me. Awesome. I hope I didn't babble over you guys too much. No, not, not the slightest. Nope, this is perfect. We're glad. Sometimes it's hard to get guests to talk, I, spe- but you are a microphone pro. <laughs> Absolutely. So, one of my favorite things about having you on so far is like, like right here, see dead air. There was none, none of that because the second I stopped talking, you're like, and content. On we go. Next yep. step. Did you know that Fred Astaire? <laughs> so <laughs> the way he moves like a panther like in a patch of night. And you're like, yes, yes he is like a panther in a patch of night. Good call. <laughs> so for, for some of our 400 listeners who may or may not listen to you, where do we find you most? Days? Yeah. yeah, I work at uh, Midwestern Broadcasting in Traverse City, Michigan. I'm on Z93 middays, 10 to 3. And I am also the afternoon news anchor on WTCM AM and FM. Excellent. So there I, it is. Tune your dials, kids. What was your, what's the, what's the radio, which radio station it's was the? Z93 10 to 3, which is uh, 92.9. Can you do it like a station tag? Would you just, <laughs> just for me, would you mind? WTCM. Yeah. <laughs> and I do the afternoon news on WTCM AM and FM on WTCM. 
That's, That's what it. I was yes. after. I was like, any second Dan, now. Smoky I Dan, Smokey Dan. <laughs> no, I, was I well, wanted to go back to private parts. WNBC. WNBC. The number of times that Carl and I, especially in the early morning episodes where we both have work or whatever, and we'll like sit down at six and be like, say we're going to talk about a serial killer movie. We do. We tend to get it early in the morning. Bird is still asleep, so it'll be like, "Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring Clips." It's very AM radio. It's, it's yeah. So it's like this is <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> we just go straight NPR with it for like an hour. Z ninety three, the one station I'm on, used to be cool jazz. Oh, my oh God. like <laughs> soft jazz, and that was the delivery. Like, just sit back, relax. We'll do all the work for the next five hours. It was so stupid. I hated every minute of it. She sounds so good in the head. I know. It's like <laughs> listening to the radio. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you guys oh, so you're much. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and listeners, we're going to... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing another disaster film mm-hmm. with hopefully with Michelle sitting in. Absolutely, I would love to. I think we're doing we're doing the big two. We're doing yeah. Fire and Water. The next mm-hmm. time we sit down, uh, we're all going to be another movie I haven't seen. Both of you have seen. I'm glad you're indoctrinating me into the world of disaster films. Yes, we'll yes. be talking about the Poseidon Adventure it's next time, right? So good. It's got Ernest Borgnine, Leslie Nielsen. It's just another, another. <laughs> I forgot about Leslie Nielsen. I'm so excited. And a really young Gene Hackman. Yep. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. yeah. A really young Gene Hackman in it. Wow. I've never mm-hmm. seen Gene Hackman in any. Like French Connection. He's young. brilliant. <gasps> it's like yeah. Shelley oh. Winters, Red Buttons. Shelley Winters. Yeah. Bloody yeah. Mamas. Shelley mm-hmm. Winters. Fuck yeah, man. Oh my! G- great Google Moogly Carl. One winner. <laughs> bloody Mama. <laughs> Yes, dude. Oh, I'm. I'm. Could not be more thrilled. We gotta get her out of here. We do. Yeah, her 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 ride has been parked in the in the driveway for I think an hour now. So <laughs> not uh, long. You think you think our patrons I'll take the and patrons help and get you, her out of here. Yep. Sounds Thank you perfect. guys so much. I'm Thank sorry you. if I had to rush out. No, no, not, no, no. no. This was this was honestly perfect. Okay. You kept us from doing five hours. <laughs> Thank All right. you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, of course. Um, so, as always, we'd like to thank our patrons. If you're interested in supporting the show, if you like what we do, you can head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm. Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. Um, some, of, some of the things that you can get are full-length bonus episodes and shout-outs on the show like these. We would like to thank Jeffrey T. Morgan, uh, William Rockwood, Sister Sarah Hartley, Kevin Ramirez, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Katie Clark, Casey Scheibe, John Scheibe, who will very shortly be joining us as well in the FZK for a couple of special I kicked you out of your house. Thank God she's finally gone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she just wouldn't shut the fuck up. I was like, what are you doing of you upstaging us this entire <laughs> Yeah, you and your professional demeanor needs to shit down. Yeah, shut like, the fuck up. So wasn't it cool when the fire like burned that guy? <laughs> She's like, well, I've, 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 the first time I watched this movie, I've noticed. Totally the, kidding, by the way. She's yes, incredible. I, dude, my, f- oh probably, my God, I couldn't even finish the joke because it felt wrong. Connor Sweeney won't mind. I honestly think she might be my favorite guest that we've ever fucking had. Oh my God, she's incredible. <laughs> Connor's Connor's an awesome guest G-throne, host. Drone, bro. But he doesn't have that. He does in the headphones, Carl. She sounded. I just want her in my ear all the time. Yeah, she has the yeah. Where she's like, and uh, one of the things I noticed about Fred Astaire, I'm like, it's like she's. <laughs> it's like she does. I'm radio so glad for a she's living. interviewing us. It's our show. It's our show, and I'm like, do you? 
do what aren't you gonna thank your patrons <laughs> right <laughs> thank you so much for having us michelle i like really appreciate the opportunity it's, like, it's your show dumbass um yeah i'm guesting on your show we're like <laughs> what did you just give us your show oh my god we've been listening for 200 episodes we really liked your <laughs> she's like, oh she's incredible and, and she's a fantastic director i can't wait to see what she and brett and all those guys do with chicago at the otp man it's I'm, gonna be fantastic dude i'm also i might actually go and see this i know i always say like i'm gonna go see this show and then i don't because i'm stupid nah that otp is not cheap either i couldn't afford to go see shows unless we got comped or my dad took me so right um so i'm the other thing one more thing about michelle yeah uh she is fucking awesome to watch movies with because she will do she'll she'll do what we do which is like like talk shit and bust balls and have fun watching the movie but then she'll also do things like did you know that this sequence was shot and one of the things we didn't even fucking talk about in towering inferno john williams did the score oh my god I don't know how we missed that. Oh, that was the second thing. It was cinematography, and the and other thing the I was going to say was the score, score. is what shit. creates that sense of scale. But like, we're we're watching the movie, and you know, I'm like, man, this opening title sequence sounds really good. And, and like, she's reading my mind with her weird like FM radio powers. She's like, "Did you guys know that the score was done by John Williams?" I'm like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> Head whips around. We're like, "K, K, and then, uh, you know, we're all, <laughs> and then a song will come on, and I'm like, this is a great song. She's like, this song won an Oscar. I'm <laughs> oh, my like, God. It's like. The amount that she knew about this movie as we went through it was She's so. She's the most prepared guest we've ever had. She had five printed out pages of, like. Research. research. She straight up had, like, research and talking points and notes. I feel like and, we need to raise our game because well, of a guest that we just had on the show. <laughs> No, what we need is more professional guests. True story. So they they shine in like all the technical areas, and then you and I we do like bits about cigarettes <laughs> filled with cobwebs. <laughs> At least we know our place. Our show our show format is like I'll talk about my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I've been doing keto. I got real greasy shits. <laughs> so uh, what what Oscars did what this Oscar win? <laughs> Smarty pants. <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> and we can build some elaborate characters. All right, let me finish these shout outs. Um, we would also like to thank patrons David Rowney uh, because he brings us over to his house and shows us awesome shit. I'm oh, tired. Yeah, dude, I'm I tired. know. I'm so I'm beat, dude. Thank you, Danielle Hartley, for not leaving Carl. Um <laughs> Thank you, Brian Jackson. Oh my God, Thank you, <laughs> Thank you, Connor Sweeney, for sometimes being Carl. When <laughs> being Carl when the Carl's not Carl. When Carl's not Carl. Wow, we need to get out of here, bud. Yeah, measuring clicks <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Go watch the Inferno Tower. <laughs> Go watch Fire Building. We're all slap happy as shit, dude. All right, guys, the Towering Inferno is fucking awesome. Awesome. I'm super stoked to be doing more disaster films. I'm I'm incredibly excited to sit down with Michelle, watch another movie, yeah, and dude. have her just blow my mind for, I don't know how long the Poseidon Adventure is, like four and change. And that's I'm another assuming. three. It's about the same. If I can get... It's the same movie, but underwater. It's... Oh. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm even more thrilled, because I was like, it's kind of sad, because now I've seen The Towering Inferno, and it'll never get to happen again. 
wrong. Wrong. Poseidon adventure. Just make to just exchange the hot for wet, baby, and you are there. <laughs> All right. Well, that's us at measuring. Keeping it hot and wet. <laughs>